This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, fighting against ageism in the workplace and the marketplace. Find out more at carp.ca. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. How CARP will hold Ontario's huge new PC majority to account. And food and photographs from one of Canada's iconic inns, Langdon Hall. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Trained dogs may do a better job of detecting COVID than rapid tests, according to a new French study. Specially trained dogs sniffing sweat samples were able to detect COVID in nearly all cases, while rapid nasal tests only picked them up in roughly 84%, according to research in PLUS One. Rapid tests won out, however, when it came to accurately identifying negative cases. Dogs correctly identified about 90% of those, but rapid tests correctly identified nearly all. Elon Musk has told Tesla employees to return to the office or leave the firm, according to a leaked memo. The billionaire writes in an email to staff that anyone who wishes to do remote work must be in the office for a minimum of 40 hours per week or depart Tesla. The electric car company joins a number of others demanding a return to the office. You know how frustrating it can be to get computerized answering services when you need to reach customer service. Now Spain's government wants to end those one-sided conversations to offer a real customer service worker when callers make the request. A new bill would do away with long wait times by forcing companies to answer calls within three minutes. Providers of basic services like utilities, phone, and Internet will have to offer customer service 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. All other companies will have to provide it during working hours. Husband and wife in India are so desperate to have a grandchild, they're suing their son and daughter-in-law six years after their wedding. They're demanding the couple have a child or pay them $650,000 in damages. The parents say they spent their life savings to have their son trained as a pilot in the U.S. and financed his lavish wedding in India, along with a luxury car and an overseas honeymoon. They assumed their investments would eventually pay off in the form of a grandchild. But the not-so-newlyweds showed little interest in producing one. So after six years, the parents are taking legal action. The case began in court this week. I absolutely uh, appreciate deeply. Believe me. I do. 
A centenarian war veteran has finally won his campaign to have his Dutch citizenship reinstated after a 70-year wait. 102-year-old Andre Hissink, who lives in a retirement home in the Ottawa Valley, grew up in the Netherlands and survived three and a half years as a bomb aimer and navigator with the 320 Dutch squadron in the British military during World War II. His Dutch citizenship was revoked when he became a citizen of New Zealand in the 50s. Finally, this week, the Dutch king made a rare exemption and granted his wish for dual citizenship, a privilege very limited in that country. A special ceremony was held at Hissink's retirement residence, where the Dutch ambassador said, You are Dutch, and you will be Dutch again. I'm Libby Snymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. The Progressive Conservatives' huge majority victory in Ontario this week means it will be harder to hold that government to account. But CARP has a plan to push its health care priorities to the top of the agenda. Anthony Quinn, CARP's Ontario election lead, shared the strategy. What's your reaction to this resounding majority for the Progressive Conservatives? My first reaction on behalf of CARP members would be that Doug Ford said he would get it done. So starting today, I hope he will start to get it done because there's a lot of work to do. There are still thousands of shorted, short places for nurses in Ontario. There's still thousands of PSW short. There's still thousands of people in, in long-term care wait lines. So please, Doug, get it done. That's the message. Well, get it done could mean a lot of things. During the campaign, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure how perfectly they stacked up against the CARP 5. We had a lot of question marks in our tabulation of what they had to say, and that was because they were very silent. Uh, we had a budget to look at. We didn't have a platform to look at. And they managed perhaps to distract voters with things like affordability and highways when we were talking about health care and long-term care and home care. Most people cite health care as their main concern. They also cited Andrea Horvath as the person most likely to fix it. Well, those two things didn't add up with an election result. When I looked at the, the platforms of the parties who were opposing Doug Ford, there wasn't a lot of light between them. They were very similar. When we look at the numbers, the NDP had 23.7% of the popular vote. The Liberals actually pipped them at the post with uh, 23.8, and the Greens had six. So that's 53.5% of all votes cast were for that more progressive view shared by the Greens, the Liberals, and the NDP. So maybe in the next election, there's they have to have a conversation amongst themselves if they want to challenge Doug with a Green-Liberal-NDP party amalgam to challenge 50 or only 48% of the vote. The turnout was low. And that we know that that hurts the NDP was 43% overall. I don't know what the Zoomer turnout was, I mean, traditionally, it's 75% vote. But how did that affect the Zoomer vote? Do you think a lot of uh, your people stayed home? I would suspect for those that did show up, we would have retained that higher percentage, the highest percentage of voters amongst the Zoomer voters. Uh, in my writing, for example, it was a given that the conservatives, uh, the PCs would have won. And that may have may have let people stay home. But for those who did show up, I would suspect that it was our gang. They feel an obligation to vote. They have a, a sense of pride in, in exercising that franchise. And that's why we tell 
When, when I show up at a car event, I, I ask them to, who voted in the last election. Everyone's hand goes up in the room, and I don't say provincial, municipal, federal, or dog catcher. They show up. So I think they were there yesterday. A lot of older people tend to vote conservative. Was that a big factor in their re-election? The pendulum does tend to swing, but for our members, I think, from one to the other. The polling that we showed showed the Liberals and Conservatives very close amongst members that we were talking to. And that may have been perhaps uh, in the GTA or the 905, where we have a predominance of members. I I think Doug Ford had four years uh, in front of the camera, and it's hard not to to go with what you know. He seems to have learned some lessons uh, in terms of just relatability. He seems to be more relatable. And, uh, you know, halfway through the first term, he was a bit of a disaster, but he pivoted and learned from his mistakes, I think. I agree. I think he learned to listen a bit more, maybe, or who he was listening to could have been a different person, but he did come out of the the last election with a majority and was a bull in a china shop, knocking everyone around. Uh, The pandemic hit, and I believe he started listening to people like public health and advisors, and was perhaps even more compassionate uh, of a leader when he saw the deaths in long-term care. And we heard things like protecting our, our, our most vulnerable seniors. So let's hope again that he will put in experienced or uh, hardworking ministers in some pretty important portfolios that CARP cares about, like the Minister of Long-Term Care, Minister of Seniors, and the Minister of Health. Who knows who the Minister of Health will be? But we need... And he's got 83 people to choose from. So let's pick some great cabinet ministers. Let's give them a mandate to really get it done, as he said, and it should start right away. I want to talk about the long-term care piece for a bit. He was not punished for the horrible death rate in long-term care. And they're kind of sticking to what they came into power with, which is building 30,000 new beds, which is kind of, it's needed, but it's an old-fashioned view. They did have a little bit to say about home care, but, you know, the latest census numbers that we saw, it's a tsunami. It needs some fresh thinking, and I didn't see any fresh thinking. Well, during the campaign, the long-term care deaths were pretty much absent, even when the Liberals and the NDP talk about it. They weren't hammering Doug on that record at all. CARP has been working with the provincial government, the Minister of Long-Term Care, for the last number of months on changes to the regulations in long-term care homes. And and there has been some movement on that. So they're they're paying attention to the file. We thought Minister Phillips was a good antidote, antidote to Minister Fullerton, and CARP had vocally called for her for her change. And we're hoping that whoever comes in to take over that long-term care file will continue the progress because building beds isn't just enough. We had asked all parties to support the transformation of how we care for our most vulnerable in long-term care. They were silent on it, but we'll continue the fight. Hmm. Anything else? I'd like to thank you, Libby, and everyone at Zoomer Media for keeping the CARP 5 front and center. We were really proud that these issues were talked about uh, across the province, and we held the candidates accountable. And for the next uh, four years, we will continue to hold those elected accountable, and we're looking to get it done. Anthony, thanks so much. Thanks very much, Libby. That was Anthony Quinn, CARP's Ontario election lead. 
I'm Libby Zneimer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, a cookbook celebrating the iconic Langdon Hall. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, bringing you vital information to boost your health, your finances, and your rights. Find out more at carp.ca. Langdon Hall in Cambridge is one of Canada's most luxurious and celebrated country inns, and it boasts one of the best restaurants in the country. Now home cooks can try their hands at recreating some of Chef Jason Bangerter's sumptuous dishes. I talked to him while flipping through Langdon Hall, a cookbook. Congratulations. The book is beautiful. Thank you. You know, I think that... Um that that, for me, was the most important part of the whole process, was to create something that really brought you to the property and that that sense of place when you look through the pages. I I wanted it to be a coffee table book, a thing of beauty, uh, capturing what we do and uh, the people and the place and obviously the cuisine. Uh, But the, the recipes for me were secondary in this one. How did you pick the recipes? Just whatever I was in love with at the time when we were shooting. The food was easy. That part was magical. That was the stuff we do all the time. The writing was a real, was a challenge. You know, the, the writing, we really wanted these recipes to, to not intimidate the reader. You know, they didn't want me to use words like saute, French terminology. Uh, you know, it was really spell it out. Turn the oven on medium medium-sized pan, gently heat oil. You know, like it was really, we, we tablespoons, teaspoons, cups, recipes are knocked down to about four to five, six portions. We want to make it as user-friendly as possible. And that, that, that was hard. Speaking as a reader, the, the pictures are intimidating. Uh, the text, not so much. I wanted it to be as, as authentic as, as possible. You know, but this, this is, this is the cuisine. This actually is the cuisine of the end of 2018 um, into uh, 2019. And um, I guess it's a snapshot of that time in the food that we were serving at Langman Hall. Uh, now, there are things, obviously, we're on a 75-acre property, wild uh, Carolinian um, ancient forest with a, an acre of our own vegetable gardens and flower gardens, and we have our own honeybees. Like, we have a lot of things at our fingertips that you can't get at a grocery store. Um, so you are, there are going to be some maybe garnishes or a type of flour uh, that you might not be able to, to get for the dish. Um, but you, you don't need those things. And, and, I, and I think in, in a lot of ways, you know, some recipes, one, one plate might have eight to ten recipes on that one plate. And people who kind of feel a little bit intimidated, I, I, I say, listen, you know, take, take the sauce or just take the, the puree or a pudding or a jam, um, you know, take one recipe and try, try something and, and see how it works. And, you know, there are some recipes in the book that will take you 20 minutes. There's other recipes that will take you two days. I'm looking at some of the recipes. So I'm, the first thing I'm going to try is the chilled pea soup. That looks fairly straightforward, except for the garnish. The soups are fantastic. And that's a great way to get introduced to some of the recipes. We are in the spring 
eating season. So what should we be thinking about now? What are you showcasing in here for where we're at? Right now, um, asparagus is big. You know, asparagus, that, that, that uh, beautiful tea soup would be lovely. Asparagus is a big one for me. And I love beets. Beetroot are, are great. You know, it's all those young roots and shoots and things that are coming up through the, in the garden now, radishes. Um, you know, you want to try something interesting and new, make, make some butter. Uh, the very, the very beginning of the book, uh, we're making fresh butter. Um, and that with just some, some beautiful raw spring radishes is a great combination and a lovely lunch. You talk about white asparagus. Does that have to be peeled? Uh, I, you know, it's funny, you know, we want more fiber in our diet, but we always peel it away. Um, I, I do peel them. Uh, I find, um, when you pe- I peel everything. I even peel cherry tomatoes. What are you trying to get across in terms of local ingredients uh, and, and all of that? We have to look at things in a way like a slow food movement. Like, you know, it, number one, we want to support community, right? I want to, I want to, we want to support our economy. We want to, I want to support the farmer that's down the street from Langdon Hall. Um, but I'll tell you, when I came here from Toronto, because I was cooking in Toronto for a decade prior to coming to Langdon Hall, um, what I realized that was on this side of the escarpment, there, the, the food was so much better. The ingredients were so much better. I, I, and and I was so. I also believe it's because I'm closer to those ingredients. I'm closer to the source. And when you when you pull something off the leaf or off a branch uh, or a berry from from a shrub or or you pull you know, carrots out of the garden, wash them, and then moments later they're on a dish and you're eating them. You, it's like you've never had it before. The, the intensity and the experience is incredible. You know, a lot of, um, a lot of vegetables, a lot of product, you know, gets shipped across country uh, on trucks, and it could, be, it could be out of the ground for a week or two before you actually get it into, into your kitchen or your grocery store. When you get something that's closer to the source, it's always better. Anything you'd like to leave us with? Happy cooking. <laughs> <laughs> enjoy, enjoy the book. We're not, we're not too far away. Come and visit. And uh, it was lovely to meet you. And thank you for the opportunity to have a conversation with you today. Okay. Well, it's great talking to you. And thank you for the tips. My pleasure. That was Langdon Hall's chef, Jason Bangerter. That brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. Zoomer Week in Review is produced by Zeev Hadi, Christine Ross, and Paul Thomas. Technical producer, Justin Eacock. Executive producer, Moses Nimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.